come down to the library we're gonna have a blast we've got a book or two a tip or three it's the writing santa podcast you know them well you know they're true and we're so happy you're here grab some friends enjoy the weather it's who's at the writing center now let's ruffle those feathers Hello, and welcome back to Who's at the Writing Center. I'm Elena. I'm Carissa. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kimberly. February is Black History Month. As you may have guessed from our previous episode, Who's at the Writing Center is all about celebrating amazing authors of all different backgrounds that you should add to your reading list. We are honored to talk about authors that we've loved or are looking forward to reading from. However, it goes without saying that there is a lot of history behind this month and what it means in today's context. So we wanted to touch in on how February came to be proclaimed as National Black History Month. To begin, we wanted to talk about the history behind Black History Month and why it's important to uplift the voices of Black and African-American individuals. All of the following information we've pulled from history.com. It was birthed in 1915 when Harvard historian Carter G. Woodson and Minister Jesse E. Moreland founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, or ASNLH an organization devoted to the achievements of Black and African Americans. Now known as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, the group was responsible for National Negro History Week in 1926. With the conscious decision to hold the event during the second week of February, thus coinciding with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. This event widely spread to schools all over the U.S., and soon communities and schools had celebrations, history clubs, performances, and lectures surrounding National Negro History Week, eventually being recognized by city mayors who requested annual proclamations holding Negro History Week. In the late 1960s, the week-long celebration evolved into Black History Month, particularly on college campuses, thanks to the civil rights movement, which achieved many accomplishments in the name of equality and justice for Black individuals. In 1976, President Gerald Ford formalized Black History Month, declaring to the public to seize the opportunity to honor the two often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. While it is imperative to honor Black excellency and resilience, it is more important to expand our celebration of Black history from beyond 28 days. There are a lot of criticism regarding the sort of shortened period for Black History Month, the fact that it's the the second month of the year, which happens to be the shortest month of the year. And Carissa has actually brought up a really great article and link, which will be in the description box, about the sort of acknowledgement of Black History Month and sort of passiveness towards it. Uh, But I think Carissa can speak more onto this article than I can. So I'm going to hand it over to her. Yes. So this is an article that was published in The Humanist, um, written by Sincere Carabo. And it's titled, Why I'm a Black Man Against Black History Month. And kind of like Kimberly already touched on, it just talks about how a lot of um, the acknowledgement surrounding Black History Month is quite passive and especially kind of highlighting the way that it's taught in schools. And I know that Sarah, in conversation before recording this episode, also brought up that there's no governmental regulation on how it's taught. So it's really free reign for public schools or just any schools to be teaching it and what that looks like for them, um, which kind of brings up another issue on how Black History Month is acknowledged in more of a scholarly and academic setting. And yeah, so like we said, the this article specifically will be linked in the description box, and we really encourage you to 
um, kind of join this conversation and look into it more. Um, because although Black History Month is really important and we, it's important that we acknowledge it and celebrate it, um, it's also important that we acknowledge there's also 11 other months out of the year, um, 11 longer months out of the year that uh, these things need to be celebrated and acknowledged as well. I don't know if everyone knows about Common Core. So Common Core is pretty much like the standard for most all, excuse me, all public um, schools around the country. And in the Common Core, it's pretty much like all subjects that you teach and lesson plans in which you should teach are like kind of accomplishments you need to achieve in every grade. And when you look up Black History Month, they're just like Black history in general on the Common Core standards, there are none. And like, I understand that Black History Month was implemented federally, but, and it is celebrated quote unquote in all public schools, but the extent to which it's celebrated is very blurry and like very wishy-washy depending on what school you're at. And so I know some teachers who just like don't do anything about it. And like, even like growing up, I don't really remember February being specifically like Black History Month or like having any specific like lesson towards it or activity, excuse me. But I don't know what's hard because like some teachers are really, really good about implementing um, these kinds of like historical like moments into their curriculum, but others like are very, I don't want to say bad at it, but also when you're not required to do it and when you have so many other accomplishments you have to get done and you're really like stuck in this very hard place of like well I need all my students to learn like all of these different things and unfortunately like if I were to do an activity on Black History Month or like carve out time for that they would be losing precious time that they're going to be tested on like later you know and so I totally understand that really hard place teachers are in but I think it's just it's not their fault at the end of the day. I think it's just like the federal government's fault or like the Department of Education for not making it. And also like other like Hispanic Heritage Month or like Asian American Month, like it's, those are also not implemented to Common Core. So we just need to celebrate everybody. And I just think it's the Department of Education's fault for not implementing those like celebrations into their accomplishments for kids. Cause that's not like important enough apparently to learn which is quite a shame yeah so I think thinking about the common core as well something that it really lacks is a focus on literature that's not nonfiction. and um, I mean I haven't looked at the curriculum list but I would make the assumption that probably that nonfiction is not written by a lot of uh, black authors so because we are the writing center we wanted to specifically talk about um, celebrating Black authors, poets, writers, screenwriters, artists of works that we've read um, or that we are hoping to read and which you can read in any month, not just Black History Month. And um, I wanted to start off by talking about some uh, works recommended from a really great professor here at SU who has recently joined the English department, uh, Dr. Ferrari. And she special, specializes in African-American lit, specifically uh, Black feminism and uh, modern African-American lit. So some works that uh, she introduced me to, which I really recommend are, uh, it's a novella called Passing by Nella Larson. Um, it's about 1920s Harlem, and it's about kind of the complexity of Black identities and the politics of white passing. Um, it also has female protagonists and has a lot of queer themes. 
Um, and it is also now a podcast, which is super cool. So it's kind of like a, I don't know, thematic audiobook version of it. Um, and that's available on Spotify and we can include the link in the description. Um, and another recommendation from Dr. Ferrari is An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. Um, that was published pretty recently in 2018. And it's about the prison industrial complex, specifically effects of incarceration on the Black family structure, non-marriages, and on kind of like what happens to the people who are not just the people in prison, but the people kind of waiting for family members to be released. Some personal like recommendations that were texts that I think are really, uh, really significant are James Baldwin, pretty much anything by James Baldwin, but specifically James Baldwin's The Fire Next Time, which is like a collection of essays, I believe, um, written in 1963. Um, so it's sort of like a quote unquote foundational like civil rights era, like reflections and um, talking about his experiences in uh, Harlem and just about America in general. Um, and a more recent one, Ta-Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me, was published in 2015. The entire book is kind of a letter from him to his son, um, and he's talking about basically growing up Black in America and uh, police brutality, especially because that was when um, we saw a lot more like Black Lives Matter protests coming to the front. And then also anything by Toni Morrison, specifically uh, Beloved, um, which was published in 1987. Um, it's a what's called a neo-slave narrative. So written by, uh, not written by somebody who was enslaved, but written as kind of like looking at it through the lens of that experience and uh, reflecting on generational trauma, which is of course related to like a neo-slave narrative. Um, and there, there's also specific focus on Black women in Beloved and in most of Toni Morrison's works. Um, and then I also just wanted to shout out to Anastasia Renee Tolbert, who is a local Seattle writer, poet, educator, podcaster, slash a million other hats. And I believe she was a writer in residence at Seattle U's English department a couple years ago in like 2018. And we will include a link to her website, which has all of her work in the description. So some of the books and authors that I wanted to highlight um, is first uh, Angie Thomas's book, The Hate You Give. Um, I read this for a book club last summer, and I honestly can't believe I didn't read it before. It's, it's really well written. It's really good. And it's about um, focusing on police brutality, a young girl and her friend, are just kind of driving around, they get pulled over and he gets shot and killed um, by police officers, kind of without reason. So it follows that journey of her kind of moving through that grief and also confronting the specific aspect of systemic racism that shows up in police brutality and kind of how she, yeah, how she navigates that in her life with a lot of her white friends who don't seem to understand the situation and just like becomes an activist in that. Um, and it's really powerful. I know they made a movie on it too, which I haven't seen yet, but I've heard good things about that as well. Um, and then next is Ijeoma Aluo's book, uh, So You Want to Talk About Race. I actually read this for a class last year, and it's really, it's, it breaks race and systemic racism down in a way that is very easy to understand and very easily applicable to everyday life. And I just wanted to shout out this book because 
it was kind of the foundation of a lot of challenging conversations that I had about race and systemic racism with friends, with family. And I think that it just gave me a, a better understanding of all of those issues, all of those topics. And I feel like it equipped me very well to have those conversations and just learn more about them. So yeah, that book was incredible, um, very worth reading. And I think it's something I'll go back to and keep revisiting often. Um, the next book, I haven't actually read it, but I've ordered it online. So it's like on its way here and I'm very, very excited to read it. It's Oyakon Braithwaite's book, My Sister, the Serial Killer. And I can't really give a huge synopsis on it because I haven't read it. But from what it told me online when I was buying it, it's about one of the sisters is a serial killer and the other sister is kind of like cleaning up that mess, picking up the pieces, like taking responsibility. It's kind of like a horror thriller, which I, I really like. So I'm super, super excited to read that. And then the last one, it's not a book, but a film, um, Moonlight. It's uh, based off of Terrell Alvin McCraney's unpublished semi-autobiographical play called In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. And he's also written a lot of other plays, some Broadway shows as well. Um, but the screenplay and the movie was directed by Barry Jenkins. And it is critically acclaimed, a really, really powerful film. Um, and I know that Sarah's also seen it, so I'll let her talk on it as well. She's really excited when it got brought up. But yeah, just a really beautiful coming-of-age film talking about different issues with, like, confronting identity, sexuality, you know, emotional abuse, childhood traumas, all of those things. So really powerful and really beautiful and worth the watch. I've also watched Moonlight, so I can also attest to its brilliancy because, uh, and it's well-deserved Academy Award because it, it was truly beautiful. I watched it on the plane, which I don't recommend because when you're crying and there are strangers around you and you're like, I'm fine, it's nothing, it's okay, <laughs> then they'll, you'll get looks. But overall, it's a beautiful movie. But I will also let Sarah uh, speak more about that because, no, it's too bad. I'm, I've already said it. It's in the podcast now. This is actually live. Um, <laughs> so along with the theme of does Kimberly read or not, I actually have a couple of plays uh, and playwrights that I definitely recommend. My first one is In the Blood by Susan Laurie Parks. I also recommend anything by Susan Laurie Parks. I remember reading this for a class my freshman year of college, and it's actually based off of The Scarlet Letter, if everyone is familiar with that. And it takes Hester who is a mother of, I believe, five children, and she is living in poverty, and she's trying to navigate helping her children and finding uh, help from friends, colleagues, and former lovers. And you are taken to a story of her life while she navigates through that and through confessions by the people around her, and it's very chilling. It's also, it's fantastic, and Susan Laurie Parks is an amazing writer, and I got a chance to actually be in one of her workshops, um, I think two years back, which is really awesome. The next one I recommend is Fences by August Wilson, but I also recommend anything by August Wilson, notably Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Two Trains Running. Uh, there's also a movie, Fences, starring Viola Davis and Denzel Washington, which is, I have not seen it, it is in my watch 
list, there's also Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, starring Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. I've heard really amazing things about it. Also, Viola Davis is just a powerhouse of an actress, and she's been my idol since middle school, and she's amazing. So I recommend all of those things that I just mentioned. Additionally, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. I also have not read this book. My partner is currently reading this book, but she says it's fantastic. It's amazing. Trevor Noah is a storyteller, and he is also a great host for the Daily Show. Is it the Daily Show? Thank you. I have head nods from my friends. It is the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, which uh, if you haven't checked him out yet, please do. My next one is Bone by Ursa Daly Ward. Uh, she actually, um, I had to do a poem unit in my high school and I chose her work and she is a young Black LGBTQ female poet who writes on love, sexuality, and growing up. She's kind of regarded as one of those Instagram poets, but she does it so well, so revel in her work anyway. And uh, I also wanted to include, we talked about her before in previous episodes of the podcast, but any speech or text like Jamila J. Lyscott. She's an educator, an activist, author of Black Appetite, White Food, Issues of Race, Voice, and Justice Within and Beyond the Classroom, and talks a lot about social justice in the setting. She has TED Talks that are really amazing to listen to and to watch because she's a receptive poet, but she does it so with an academic pedagogy. But I second everyone who would speak on about their sort of book recommendations, authors, playwrights, screenwriters, movies on all that because they're all really amazing. I also second. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why I chewed my breath for that long, but um, I also second so many of the like books and works that everyone's talking about. I don't have too much to say on Moonlight. I don't know <laughs> um, if my friends want me to say <laughs> a lot, but I just cry every time I watch it and it's just gorgeous beyond belief. So highly recommend. Also, it's very just like emotionally intense. So get ready for that. <laughs> Also, I just like read Beloved for a class recently and it's so timely and I just want to reread it. Like every time I read that book, I just want to reread it again. Some books that I have read that I recommend. Um, one is called Hunger by Roxane Gay. She is an incredible woman, this like amazing like activist. Oh, it's just, it, this book is a memoir um, and it's specifically talking about her embodied experience and what it is like to live in a black body and specifically like a black fat body. And she talks a lot about that. Another kind of emotional heavy one. So get ready, but it's beautiful. Another one that I read. So I actually read a short story for class called The City Born Great by N.K. Jemison. And she decided to turn or the short story she wrote, um, The City Born Great, inspired her to start a book trilogy. And I'm currently reading the first book of the trilogy. Um, it's called The City We Became. It's awesome. I don't really read fantasy books. This is actually like my first fantasy book I've ever read. And it's amazing. I just, I think I get really intimidated by them because they're usually so large. But I decided to dive in. I'm halfway there, which means I'm like 300 pages in, you know. Um, but don't worry, I'll finish and let y'all know everything. <laughs> but um, it's so cool. It's pretty much like New York City is being swallowed almost by like a creature and all of the little burrows are personified into people so like Manhattan and Queens and Staten Island they're all like people and they have to like come together to fight this um creature anyway um highly recommend that also for some easy reads I have Heart Talk by Cleo Wade um she's just a poet it, um, not just a poet excuse me she is a poet <laughs> how dare I 
also, you know, social justice activist, artist, etc., poet. And she's amazing. She's wonderful. This is her first book. She has another book or two other books, maybe. One is called Where to Begin, but this one's called Heart Talk. It's just when your heart's hurting a little bit, maybe it's what you need. Next one is just a nice little easy YA. Uh, Nicola Yoon is the author and she has two books. Everything, everything was like so much more popular because um, it was made into a movie first. But I really appreciate The Sun is Also a Star a little bit more. Sun is Also a Star it was made into a movie, which I haven't watched yet. I also haven't watched either movie and I don't really plan to. I don't want to ruin the books for myself. But if you've watched them, that's really cool. You should read the book. A couple that I'm really excited for, one um, I haven't read yet, but I've always really wanted to and watched the movie um, called If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin. I know, <laughs> yes, we're always here to plug more reading. I know Elena talked a bit about James Baldwin, so y'all know all about him, but this book is really cool as well because it's the only book in his writing narrated by a woman. And I'm excited. It's like a love story and 1920s Harlem and uh sucker for love stories. The last one that I'm excited for is a book called Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. It's the same author that Carissa was talking about um, for The Hate You Give, and it's in the same world as that book, but it's just a different story. So excited to read that one as well. So sorry, I just thought of another book, which I read recently, but my brain just like isn't working these days. So there is, I think it was published in like also 2015-ish, but it's called Binti, and it's a series. I think it's like three short novellas, and you can get them all in like one like regular novel-sized volume, um, but it's called Binti, and it's by Nanetti Okorafar, and it's uh, African futurism, which is like, it's uh, different from Afrofuturism because it's focused like on the African diaspora specifically, and on like the like real people living like real African cultures, so it's like a sci-fi version of this like real African uh, people who live today, but it's super, super cool, would recommend, and it's a super quick read too. Also, read anything by Maya Angelou, and also shout out uh, the fact that Angela Davis gave an MLK speech at Seattle U virtually. I don't know if that's recorded anywhere or if it's archived somewhere where people can come back and read it. If not, that's totally fine because we deserve to be there in real time. <laughs> but that's also something that's another activist and, and figure that you should check out but that was also an event that happened in CLU and so please look forward to other events uh, celebrating Black History Month and beyond February and within February. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again we'll include the links to all the stories and authors we mentioned throughout the episode in the description box and we encourage you to check them out. Additionally, we've included a link to Seattle U's Black Student Union where you can find out about events and other ways to support them. And if you're in the Seattle area, one of the ways to support them during the month of February is to stop by a Mighty O's Donuts location um, because during the month of February, all good old glaze sales support the BSU Scholarship Fund. Also, if you haven't gotten the chance to, we had our first episode of season three talking about 21 things to look forward to in 2021. It's a very chill and low stress episode, which I think we all need right now, reflecting on the year before and the year to come. We've also included our blog, which includes wonderful blog posts from our very own Writing Center staff, as well as links to transcribed versions of our episodes from previous seasons. We will also include Black-owned bookshops doing online orders in the description box, 
We've also mentioned in a previous episode of season two, I believe it's our pilot, it's not a pilot episode, it's our first episode of season two, um, but we will go ahead and include that also into our description box. And with that, be sure to stay safe, take care of one another, and this has been another episode of... Who's at the right You know, someday we'll get it. <laughs> Come on down to the library. We're gonna have a blast. If you've got a book or two, a tip or three, it's the Writing Santa podcast. You know them well, you know they're true, and we're so happy you're here. Grab some friends, enjoy the weather. It's who's at the Writing Center. Now let's ruffle those feathers. 